We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week 15 NFL fantasy football projections and paying homage to one of the most interesting characters in football history on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, I'm joined by Dave Cabin. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. We're going to talk some Week 15 fantasy football projections uh, for those of you that are still playing in big contests or maybe have, uh, you know, fortunately made it through into the playoffs of your, you know, redraft leagues, dynasty leagues, etc. cetera. Uh, but before we do that, Dave, you know, I thought we would do two things. You know, one, uh, and then we could pr- potentially start with this. We've, we've got to let people know what happened um, with the, the mystery of our, our main event team, you know, earlier uh, in, in the podcast uh, yesterday, you know, we were talking about this uh, this remaining player that we needed to score X amount of points in order to win the division title before we get into the tournament. Then I thought maybe we could each just share you know, a note or two about, you know, how we're doing with, across our portfolio. And then I want to talk a little bit of, of Mike Leach, who's one of my favorite characters of, of all time. Um, and then we'll get into the projection. So uh, why don't you tell everyone how we did with that that main event outcome, um, and then and then what lies ahead of us? Well, didn't do great. Did not do <laughs> as good as we would like to have done. We needed Hollywood yeah. to come up with around 16 and a half, 17 points. That did not materialize in a game that even if you didn't have Hollywood, I think a lot of people out there uh, left feeling very disappointed just for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to see his season come to an early yeah, close. Um, always hate to see that. And, uh, you know, Colt McCoy is one of those guys that it's nice for a team that they can have him come in and fill in. Uh, but obviously, you know, when you lose a dynamic player like Kyler Murray, tough pill to swallow. So our team did not win. And it was one of those very frustrating weeks where our opponent had a kicker and DST combo that put up almost 28 points. Our kicker and DST combo put up around four. <laughs> it was the difference, man. And it was, was the difference. Yeah. It was the difference. Uh, yeah. The worst part about it was, too, that we started off. Well, I don't know if this was the worst part about it, but we started off pretty hot because we had Josh Jacobs on the Thursday night game putting up almost 20 points. A couple yeah. of solid performances yeah. early on. Jalen Hurts did his part. Really, all of our guys did their part. And then, um, you know, also Debo now going down and missing some time will be unavailable for us in the playoff run as well. Yeah, that's going to be tricky. You know, I, I guess to sum up the the week 14 thing, you know, it would have been nice to, to win the division title uh, in addition to, to finishing second in the regular season there, but you know, it lowers the overall earnings of uh, potential of this team, but Hey man, we're going into the main event tournament. Uh, and in 252nd place, just 10 points out of first place. I mean, we we are extremely live, Dave. Yep. We are as live as live gets uh, in the tournament, which is great. And, you know, we hate to lose Debo, but this is a team with a lot of depth. And in, and in some ways, it may make our starting lineup decisions a little bit easier. You know, Debo is probably going to be out for three weeks with this high ankle sprain uh, at minimum. He's probably not going to be available to us at any point. You know, but we've got... 
you know, a, a little bit of a log jam at the flex position. And we're getting Kenneth Walker back probably. Jonathan Taylor will be back from his bye. I think the starting lineup is going to get a little bit less hectic because, man, we've been stressing about that final flex spot uh, for several weeks, as as many people have kind of listened to uh, here on the, the projection show and the passing game matchup Raider show on, <clears throat> on Thursday night. So, so we will uh, let everyone know uh, how that situation uh, continues to evolve. Uh, Dave, I did pretty well in, in best ball mania. Uh, I've got 25 teams going through. Nice. Um, so, so pretty excited there. And I've got uh, a never too early best ball tournament on FFPC, uh, an FF, uh, a best ball tournament uh, a squad on FFPC. My Scott Fishbowl team finally was eliminated from the playoffs in round four this past weekend. Um, so just narrowly missed the cut there by about two points, but I realistically was not going to win the title there with some of the injuries that I've had. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Sean and I are, are pros versus Joe's dynasty squad uh, over on FFPC uh, is, is in the playoffs and, and looking for a big high stakes dynasty title there. And you know, a bunch of other dynasty squads that are, are looking pretty ripe. Uh, probably my, my most proud accomplishment uh is my 14 and 0 regular season in the Elite Lemonade Dynasty League. Wow. And and I, I was talking some trash uh with with my uh brethren there in that league. Uh Ben Gretsch is in that league and is still disputing a lost title from like four years ago <laughs> or something. Ben, ben has he's got a steel trap from memory man. And yeah. uh he, he always uh reminds us of what happened during that playoff run. But the last three years, Dave in that league, I'm 31 and three. Wow. Uh, in, in the past, in the past 34 contests. And this would be, you know, a run at a truly undefeated season. If I can bring home a title from my third trophy in a row in that league. So a true dynasty in a tough dynasty league. How are some of your squad, any, any big accomplishments you're, you're proud of, obviously, you know, our, our main rooting interest, I think for both of us is probably our, our mutual main event team, but any other yep. squads you're excited about or want to tell us? About? Well, you know, so I, I only di- I really didn't do that many leagues this year of the main events. Uh, the one that you and I have been talking about, that's the team yeah. that has the most promise. I think down the stretch was not able to take home any uh, divisional titles this year, but didn't really have many teams going football guys, players championship league. I only did two this year, got into the playoffs in both. Unfortunately, Lamar, Lamar Jackson injury, uh, oh, not both squads not on both, both squads but okay. i had jimmy garoppolo yeah. on the other team uh that's the way it goes man right but you're, so, in, the, but you're in the playoff you're i am in the, in the playoffs tournament. yes yeah, yeah in, the in the tournament but i don't think either of those teams has the outlook like ours does so that was okay. pretty cool yeah. i have one dynasty team that i have an odd relationship with which is it's on a platform where it's the only team that i have there i've been trying to consolidate my teams for a while but this team just keeps doing good. Every year, I find random pieces that help it claw its way through. So, like, I only had Jonathan Taylor running back going into the season. Jarek McKinnon, I was able to grab on the waiver wire. He's now delivering a widely group of veteran wide receivers. And with the way it's going, I think this team is going to win. And I'm going to end up needing to, you know, keep the cycle going next year. Uh, and then the oh, final man. thing that I'm, I'm pretty happy about is... There is an expert auction that happens every year for uh, the oh, yeah. USA Today. Yeah. And um, my teams have just never really been able to to break at the right time in this league. I've gotten into the playoffs a couple of years, never sealed things. But this year, I have a buy heading into round one of the playoffs. And I really like the depth that I have, especially at running back with a handful of guys that have really turned things on as of late, such as Tony Pollard that I think are going to help me take things home this year. All right, man. Well, we've both got some rooting interests. We know uh, the listening, uh, you know, the listening uh, dedicated folks here uh, have many triumphs that they would probably like to share. If you've got a a notable accomplishment, uh, you know, maybe a big, a big league that you're, you know, pumped about getting into the playoffs for, or you know, just anything notable about any of your squads that you think would make for for interesting podcast banter. Uh, you can add uh, Dave or I on Twitter. We'd be happy to share uh, your accomplishment uh, and and you know re- revel in revel in that with you, Dave. I want to veer a little bit into talking about Mike Leach. You know, Mike Leach, unfortunately, 
uh, if you have not seen, you know, has passed at the young age of 61, man, um, too, too early, um, had some heart conditions. And this guy, it's kind of hit me a little bit today. I got to say, like, this is just one of those people that, you know, he did it his own way. And I just respect that so much about him. And it, not, not just in football, but in life. And a lot of people that have confidence um, going through their life say that they don't care what other people think. And, and you know, negative feedback or opinions from, uh, you know, the media or critics, you know, they say that that doesn't affect them. Well, Mike Leach, it, you know, it's very apparent that that was very true of him. He didn't care what anybody said about him or his methods. He saw the world a different way. And that was, yeah, it was fine that everyone else saw it a different way. He didn't seem to understand the way everyone else <laughs> did everything. Um, and that's what made him just such an interesting character. And I was going back through and, and thinking about the things that he's done and standing up for his players and his methods and his sensibilities when it comes to football and, and how that has actually kind of, um, whether we've thought about it or not, I think the way that he thinks about football is kind of the way that we think about fantasy football at Rotoviz. And so I also think that's kind of interesting and maybe why I've been drawn to him a little bit. Uh, a lot of people, you know, will, will remember Mike Leach almost as a, a newer age version of, of John Madden from a coaching perspective because he was always good for a soundbite, you know, talking about, you know, which SEC – uh, mascot or which Pac-12 mascot would win in a battle, um, <laughs> whether he'd be rather be a pirate or a Viking, whether he believes in Bigfoot or aliens, you know, and, and all that stuff's cool. He's given marriage advice. You know, he once actually gave a scholarship to a kicker who won an on-field kicking contest during a game at Texas Tech, um, signed him after he made, he said, That's this really kid cool. can, if this kid can make a 45 yard field goal in front of these, all these people, everyone watching, you know, he deserves to be on the squad and, and he never missed an extra point. Wow. Never met. I mean, I'm sure he missed some field goals, but he never missed an extra point. Um, you know, and, and that's how he found him. But, you know, I, th I think I'll, I'll kind of remember Leach for his, his views on life and, and football more so than, than even his, his crazy humor. There was a, a Players' Tribune article about five years ago, almost exactly five years ago, actually, and it was just called Five Thoughts That Have Nothing to Do With Football. If any of you, by the way, have never read the Players' Tribune, awesome stuff. If you want to get insights into who the real people are, uh, you know, that, that us as sports fans are obsessing about, this is a, a chance to look behind the curtain a little bit. So some things that Mike Leach uh, divulged in that in that piece that he wrote he talks about a raccoon uh, that he had as a pet when he was a kid uh, named Bilbo Baggins. I think that that's pretty great. Um, and, you know, he goes on to talk about how raccoons seem to bother most people and his pests. And we think about him getting in the trash, but uh, when he would see raccoons, they would make him smile. Um, I, I think that's kind of, kind of nice. Um, he encourages people to go to Hawaii and says that it's hard to beat as a vacation destination uh, because you're across the ocean uh, but there's no border stuff or currency confusion. And then that gives it a leg leg up. And he said he thinks it's even more beautiful than advertised. And most places that he's come to find uh, in life are not more beautiful than advertised. So pretty cool uh, advice there. He, Mike Leach also believes the best sports movies are about baseball and boxing. The pacing of those two sports just lends itself to better cinematic storytelling because there's so many natural pauses. I think that's pretty great. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about the sports movies that I like. Um, I, I think that's, that's pretty dead on, man. I mean, it, it's hard, it's hard to beat the Rocky franchise or even, you know, now the Creed franchise that's attached to it, but you know, a lot of other great boxing movies over the years too. And a number of great baseball films as well. Leach is a thin crust pizza guy, which is my speed, man. He says <laughs> thick crust, thick crust pizza is just bread. Um, and then, uh, he also, many people may not know he had his law degree. Um, in addition to, um, you know, his, his bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And, you know, I think, you know, it's pretty clear he's a brilliant guy in thinking alternatively about a lot of things, but, you know, uh, he had, he had thought about being, um, 
uh, an, an attorney that would specialize in like uh, faulty products and, and lawsuits against those companies and their insurance companies. Um, I'm pretty glad that he ended up uh, <laughs> coaching football, but I would have hate, hated to have been an opposing attorney trying to debate with Mike Leach. I think mm-hmm. he would have come up with some interesting counter uh, arguments. Now, blending this into football, Mike Leach, I think, is responsible maybe more so than anyone for what offensive football is today, uh, all the way down to the high school level and, and of course, what we see um, in the NFL. I mean, for 30 years, this guy uh, has been doing the air raid stuff, you know, his version of it. And it, it really boils down to a couple things that, that he believed and why he was able to achieve success, um, you know, maybe beyond the talent levels of the schools. And I think his comments on what balanced offense is, Dave, I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about this, is what's so cool. And I think this is how it applies to fantasy from, from our perspective, right? So, you know, he, his thought was, you know, most people in NFL history have said, well, hey, 50% run, 50% pass is balanced offense. And, and Mike Leach explains that, you know, balanced offense is really all of your skill players on offense touching the ball, sharing the ball. Um, and typically when you run 50% past 50%, that's concentrated through, you know, a bell cow back in most Mm -hmm. situations. And so you're actually limiting the number of touches for the dynamic wide receivers or potentially a multi-talented quarterback, uh, who might be able to run with the ball as well. And so his argument and his thought behind the design of his offense is that all the skilled players should share the ball. And that's why his teams often passed it, you know, a, a rate nearing 70% because I've got to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers who can make the big plays and, and change a game. And, you know, a running back at four yards a pop is less likely to affect the game in a dramatic way than a receiver that could take it to the house at any time. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a little bit the way that we approach fantasy, you know, drafting more wide receivers, using them in our flex spots. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm stretching to make a connection there just cause I want to, but, I think there's some similarities in, the, in, in thinking about the game um, more strategically and less from a, a player-to-player uh, perspective. And then I think the last thing that, that I like about Leach and will remember him for is how he stood up for his players. I think most notably in recent years, Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, he really didn't understand why Minshew uh, wasn't highly uh, regarded in the NFL draft when he was coming out, you know, talking about, uh, the accuracy that he displayed and, you know, arguing that you can't teach accuracy. All these NFL coaches think that you can really improve accuracy. And, and Leach's comment is he's like, you know, give me the 12-year-old kid that can hit the stop sign with the snowball. That's the kid who's accurate. You know, give me that kid and then I'll teach him an offense. Um, so that's just some like really unorganized thoughts that I have about Mike Leach. I think I will um, end kind of with a uh, a statement here about um, his approach to life and then pass it to you. Maybe you have any uh, a favorite Mike Leachisms here. Um, but he said something to the effect of uh, you only get one life and you're not going to live for a hundred years. Uh, so you might as well live dangerously. And And I like that, man. Don't overthink it. So I'll give it to you. You don't have to feel like you want to say anything, but, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna toast Leach here with some Knob Creek. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I will say I always enjoyed Leach because uh, actually be, before I was heavily into fantasy, I was just obsessed with college football, which yeah. I think I've talked about on here before. So I used to try to watch like every game that happened every weekend. Uh, so I actually did see a fair amount of Leach going like live um, in interviews after the game or on the field. And the thing that I always appreciated yeah. too, was he always gave the interviewer like, you know, his full attention, full amount of time. And uh, you know, there's a couple of standup moments. Like one time he discovered that the person interviewing him, she was getting married or had just got engaged and he just started giving like marriage <laughs> yeah. and life advice yeah. and honeymoon advice yeah. and stuff like that. So I always just thought it was cool how, um, it felt like he was not only willing to, but happy to talk to anybody about pretty much anything. and was just extremely approachable. And, you know, sometimes you see coaches that don't have time for anyone, but I always thought that was cool. Yeah. I think he just got it, man. I think he's just one of those people that got it. Yeah. Uh, he got life. Right. So, uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach. 
uh, may we not forget your many lessons. And I think that we have to have a hard drop there, Dave. Yes. All right. So let's, uh, let's go hard swerve into week 15 projections. I am uh, champing at the bit here uh, to see what the tools have in store for us and, and what wisdom they might uh, have for me, because I've got a lot of lineups to focus on and I don't want to obsess about anyone, uh, any one of them. I, I'm, I'm concerned about all of them doing well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this week, Dave, with what we find from the GLSP at the flex position. So uh, what are you seeing um, at the quarterback position? You know, we have had some turnover there. Are any of these new fill-in guys worth considering uh, if we got a stream uh, or should we just uh, move on to the running back position? Well, we can talk quickly about quarterback. Uh, the, the first thing of note would be that Marcus Mariota – were he playing would have scored pretty strongly with an average of 19.3 this week mm -hmm. ceiling of 25.8. We don't know exactly what things will look like for Desmond Ritter or how good Desmond Ritter will prove to be, especially, you know, coming in late in the season, a situation like this. But if you wanted to take a little bit of a gamble, it looks like there actually might be some upside for him assuming that he can operate similar to how Mary Oda did another name coming in higher than we've seen in some weeks here is Matt Ryan. Uh, he's also around 19 points has 26% of his matches going in the 20 to 25 bucket 16 yeah. in the beyond 25 bucket. So that's pretty good. And we actually uh, also see Mike white getting his way into the top 15 as you continue down the list, I think you're looking at the usual guys that we've talked about for streaming purposes, uh, like Taylor Heineke, Jared Goff, and Brock Purdy, actually, middle of the road this week in terms of streaming. Definitely another player that you could look to there. Uh, but I don't think we need to spend too much time yeah. on quarterback as we're largely looking at the same group of guys that we've seen for many weeks now. And at this point, we kind of have an understanding of what you can expect from them. Yeah, I wouldn't make a, a big note necessarily on any any player other than an observation that the tool uh, does seem to uh, forecast a little bit of a lower ceiling than expected for players like Kirk Cousins and Justin Herbert. Yep, uh, uh, slotting them both in as as you know QB twos this week, um, uh, but in contrast, you know we've got Trevor Lawrence as a high end QB one. Um, and we've got Tom Brady even as a high-end QB1 who, you know, typically we haven't seen up there either. So in the event that you're uh, you're too strong at quarterback, you know, you've got uh, two guys that you've been, you know, kind of streaming from your own bench rather than depending on waivers. You may want to check out the tool other than just going with, with the big name um, and see, you know, what you need in your specific matchup. You know, if you're a big dog, you might want to consider looking at those quarterbacks that have the higher 75th percentile uh, outcome in their 50 sims. Yeah, I think that is perfectly fair to say. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, too, I think, for some people out there that have a couple of guys. Like, we have a team that has Jalen Hurts uh, and Justin Fields, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Fields uh, is going to be back, man? but I think a lot of the teams that we're yeah. seeing in the playoffs this year might just have a, you know, pretty dynamic duo like that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a first world fantasy quarterback problem to have like the two top guys, man, you know, it's pretty, pretty tough or two of the top three, I guess I should yes. say. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's, let's move on to the running back position. Okay. Now running backs, Curtis, this might uh, bring us to an important little segment here. Why don't you uh, mention that if you're catching my drift? Oh yeah. Well, before we get into the running backs, uh, I want to remind you about the win bet app. Now win bet app is another way uh, to throw some dough in, especially for those of you, you that maybe have been uh, eliminated from fantasy football redraft or, or dynasty competition, looking for a, another way to have just a little bit on the line. You can download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com. Uh, if you sign up either through the website or through the WinBet app, you uh, can bet a hundred bucks and win it a hundred bucks. So uh, I think, Deals like this pretty common uh, in the industry right now, but when bet, this is an opportunity to get in there early uh, on either one of these platforms. And so we encourage you to check it out. All right, Dave, let's get into the running backs. Okay. Well done, sir. 
There are a couple of guys that are pretty fun this week to see where they land. One of them is a guy that's probably in flex consideration for people, but Donta Foreman, an average of 17.3 points, Curtis, that gives him the third highest GLSP of all running backs this week with a 75th percentile GLSP of 24.6. Let's dig in a little bit here to figure out what in the world is going on here. Well, you have the Panthers facing off against the Steelers. You have five receptions and 40 receiving yards included in that GLSP. Also 50 yards on the ground and about six. uh, Let's see. So 40% of his rushing of his matches scored touchdowns, rushing 20% scored touchdowns, receiving as a result, Curtis, one of the better distributions that you're going to see for a player like this, maybe ever in the GLSP, good chance of finding the end zone is crewing a lot of yards and getting receptions. So Foreman definitely makes a large case to get in the lineups this weekend. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, um, we'll have to keep an eye on, you know, what's going on with Chuba Hubbard there. You know, he's been involved a little bit too. And, you know, with the way that the GLSP, you know, does weight the more recent um, matchups, we do have Samaj P. Ryan's three receiving touchdown effort, actually a kind of a similar back uh, to Foreman in, um, in, in some ways um, from a couple weeks ago, you know, 30-point outburst there. Um, so five touchdowns by opposing running back ones in the past five weeks and five total touchdowns actually allowed uh, two opposing uh, running backs in total by the Steelers over the past five weeks. Um, pretty middle of the road in terms of the rushing production against. Um, and actually, they've been pretty stingy in the receiving production against other than that game uh, by uh, P. Ryan. And in fact, in their last two games, they've only allowed one receiving yard to a running back. So... Um, I would, I guess, be excited about the uh, ability to score a touchdown in general. I mean, I think Foreman kind of falls into that, should I flex him or not um, right. category, right? And right. so the fact that the tools seeing him as such a high-end RB1, I mean, I, I kind of like that. It definitely takes him from like the should I or shouldn't I to, okay, well, who else would really unseat him um, yeah. type of thought process for this weekend. 
Um, so, but I just wanted to add a little bit of color there because even players like Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara uh, just did not put up any re- receiving production against the Steelers in their recent matchups. Yeah, probably a good point, right? We're not sitting guys that have been contributing for your team all year running back just to get him in, uh, but definitely in flex consideration. Another yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you know, if, if you lost, if you lost Debo um, or, you know, you've got a, a receiver with, with a tough matchup um, or a receiver that's got, you know, you know, you got like Rams receivers or something um, uh, or 49, you know, even, even non Debo 49ers receivers. And you're not sure what you think, you know, about Purdy or maybe Purdy doesn't even play. Um, you know, I think those are the situations where, you know, you're considering uh, Foreman. So uh, that was yep. a good clarification, Dave. Yep. We have um, Tony Pollard coming in at second, just worth highlighting because yeah. we've done it for a number of weeks yeah. now. Christian McCaffrey with an average of 22.6, ceiling uh, 75th percentile projection at 30.8. Yeah. I think that might be the best running back week that we have seen in the GLSP in some time. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson have to monitor the health there, see how things shake out in New England's backfield. But he scores nicely this week. Zonovan Knight coming yeah, in in the to top about. 10 yeah. with an average here of 14.8. And that is generated on a stat line uh, an average stat line produced by his matches with 14 attempts, 72 rushing yards, 50% of them found the end zone. And it's also boosted by three receptions for 18 yards, a fairly even distribution across all the buckets that we look at, but definitely encouraging to see that uh, only 32% of that distribution uh, of his matches, only 32% were held to 10 or fewer points, meaning you have a pretty sizable amount of outcomes here in which he should at least be in the double digits. I mean, we're going to find out, you know, we're going to find out just how good he is because I mean, based off of his recent usage, it's very hard to make a case against playing Zonovan Knight. And, and you and I, um, you know, we picked him up. I picked him up basically everywhere, uh, you know, and he's been, you know, he's, he's been great. Um, the problem is he's playing the Lions and the Lions are, I, I mean, you can pass all day yep. against the Lions, but running backs are not doing anything over the past month and a half, Dave. The Lions are the stingiest to opposing running backs in terms of fantasy points allowed over the past five weeks, just 12.1 PPR to opposing team running back production. We're not talking about like their RB one, like the, to the entire position, they're surrendering 12.1 points uh, per week and just 14.9 expected points. That's also uh, the, the stingiest in the league and negative uh, 2.9 uh, FPOE uh, on average over the past five weeks. That's uh, third best amongst all defenses. Let me just run down opposing RB ones uh, during that five week stretch. So we had, uh, Khalil Herbert posting a whopping 5.7 PPR uh, for the Bears. Uh, Matt Breda in, uh, in, in a game where he uh, managed to score a short touchdown, um, 9.9 PPR. Devin Singletary, 9 PPR. Travis Etienne, 9.6. And then Dalvin Cook this last week needed a touchdown to, to eke out 10.6 PPR. So he's pacing, you know, he's pacing that group uh, over the past five weeks. And, you know, they're not even really allowing any, you know, dump off production either. And only have only allowing 2.2 receptions to the position uh, per week over the last five and just 16 receiving yards to the position over the last five, two total touchdowns allowed to the position over the last five. So, I mean, it's unstoppable force meets uh, unmovable object, basically. And, and we're going to find out. I do have some spots where I'm still going to start night because of his role. Um, but I'm actually leaning towards him losing tie breaks. If you've got, you know, similar players based off of the context of how the lions defense is approaching opposing offenses. Yep. Uh, continuing down our list here, uh, Najee Harris coming in with an average of 13 puts him in, excuse me, at RB 15, 
uh, continuing along James Conner coming off of a, of a pretty decent performance there. He's started to string things together. Was a little banged up in that game, though. Comes in with 12.1, puts him in at RB18. Samaje Pirine scores nicely, of course. Um, you know, that might be elevated due to Mixon having missed time. J.K. Dobbins off that one game back comes in uh, right around RB24. Yeah. We'll make a case to be an RB2 with 11.8 points. Dobbins, though, has come out and said, and this isn't necessarily, you know, for this week, just it's interesting. Anybody that saw the game saw him have one real nice long run, but you could clearly tell on it that he wasn't 100%. So yeah. Dobbins is just really, it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do. I've always believed that he's a really good back. That was an encouraging performance, uh, but you do worry going forward how long this injury could lag for and if it'll ever truly be the same. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And and unfortunately, I mean, the team's going to have to look internal uh, to how they want to manage their players, right? Because they're they're in the middle of a heated playoff race. They're actually first in the FC North right now. Yep. Um, and they do not have Lamar Jackson coming back, um, you know, potentially for a few more weeks. And so they've got to find a way to hold off Cincinnati. And, you know, they're, they're not a dynamic passing team. Their defense has stepped up a little bit. There's going to be a temptation, you know, even at 80% to to lean on Dobbins. But, you know, I would hate to see them take the rented mule approach with, you know, a young, exciting player that's had so much injury trouble early in his career. But, man, it's it's a real temptation uh, for a coach. And, you know, I think there's going to be some interesting behind-the-scenes talks uh, with the GM. Definitely. Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, comes in nicely this week, expected to put up around 13 rushing attempts for 60 yards. 60% of his matches found the end zone against opponents like the Texans, also expected to add around one and a half receptions. Does not have a tremendous amount of upside with just 6% of his matches going over 20 points, but does do pretty nicely in terms of a distribution has 50% uh, uh, actually, yeah, 50% going between between 10 to 20. So looking like a pretty solid streaming option this week. The tool is not as high on Jarek McKinnon, but I think if we're looking at this Houston and Kansas City matchup, there's probably enough compelling reasons absent of the GLSP to consider getting McKinnon into your lineups, Latavius Murray will be a borderline uh, flex option this week. Now, we're going to have to see what Denver does. I don't know if there's much clarity right now on Russell Wilson's situation, although I do think it's worth noting that Murray has started to somewhat trend downward across the last four weeks. Curtis, I'm not sure if you've taken a look at the running back results here. Um, Mostert, Wilson scoring a little bit lower than they normally do. Uh, Pierce pretty low this week. Pierce, Pierce may be getting shut down too. I think that's another. Yeah, um, that's another interesting thing, man. He's pretty algae, and the team really has no incentive to play. You know, this young dynamic player. I, I, I lean towards thinking. You should have other plans if if starting Pierce was in your playoff uh, strategy. Yeah, so that kind of compounds things there. Um, I don't know if I mentioned Devil, Devin Singletary average projection here of 8.6. So nothing else really that stands yeah. out to me is overly surprising or what we wouldn't expect at, at, at this standpoint. So unless you had any other names, we can probably jump over to wide receiver. No, let's hit the receivers. Okay, so our highest scoring wide receiver this week looks like it's expected to be Tyreek Hill with an average of 22.3, followed by C.D. Lamb, D.K. Metcalf, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and Justin Jefferson. The most exciting name, or I guess, I guess the name that wouldn't necessarily always be in here is Garrett Wilson coming in as wide receiver 12 with an average of 16 Point eight. Now, White has made a very nice impact 
for Wilson as a result, his average projection expects 9.2 targets, 6.3 receptions, 86 yards, and 30% of his matches found the end zone. As we mentioned earlier, the Jets are facing the Lions, which works in Wilson's favor. And pretty exciting, Curtis. Only 16% of his matches failed to get to 10 points. So you have a pretty decent amount of upside here. Pretty nice floor as well for Wilson in this matchup. Yeah, and just a note on Wilson, you know, yesterday we talked a little bit about uh, Jalen Waddle and how he's really popped in some games and then hasn't really um, lived up to expectation and, and many others despite being in kind of that high-flying offense. I mean, Wilson Wilson's within sniffing distance of Waddle and fantasy production this year, man. I mean, Garrett Wilson's the, he's PPR wide receiver 19 this season. Um, you know, 28 PPR per game, uh, but, you know, he's been out there every week and, you know, so you tend to, you know, climb up the rankings just by being available. Uh, but he's 13th in targets. He's 15th in receiving yards. Um, it just hasn't been terribly efficient because, you know, despite that volume, he's just 26th at the position in touchdowns. But, man, he's had a pretty remarkable uh, rookie season despite the, you know, topsy-turvy nature of their quarterback room. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, every year, man, we see it. And, you know, it gets written about by a number of our different analysts. It gets talked about by a number of different analysts on our site. The rookie wide receiver is a way to, to really get hot, you know, at the end of the fantasy football season. And that's that's why they're part of our best ball, uh, best ball portfolios. And it's why we're patient with people like, you know, Traylon Burks, even when, you know, things go a little bit off schedule for them early in the season. So Garrett Wilson, man, he's as good a candidate as anybody uh, to be a playoff league winner. Yep. Another name in here uh, that's worth noting. He'll probably be in your lineups already, though. Uh, Terry McLaurin, three Mm -hmm. wide receiver, one performances since week seven across that span, averaging 15.7 PPR per game slated with an average of 16.2 here uh, on the fringe of being a wide receiver, one with the likes of Mike Williams, Marquise Brown and T Higgins. Of course, T. Higgins has become kind of an interesting figure uh, in fan- in the fantasy Twitter world. Continuing, though, along in our list, we have Christian Kirk with 16 at wide receiver 16. Jerry Judy coming off a real nice performance, also landing with 16 uh, in his matchup. Michael Pittman, probably one of the names here worth yeah. mentioning, as the GLSP yeah. has not been a big fan of Pittman this season, he's firmly in wide receiver two territory. Of course, I mentioned Matt Ryan, who the tool also likes more than it normally does this week. The Colts are facing the Vikings. Pittman is expected to see around nine targets, six receptions, 62 yards, 30% of his match uh, of matches found the end zone. So the tool liking Pittman more than it generally has this weekend. Uh, 75th percentile projection of 18.7 with a 25th percentile of 8.7. A couple other names here that are exciting to see. Chris Olave getting back into the good graces of the GLSP. But who's behind him with an average of 13.1? Zay Jones, who I think we mentioned yesterday yeah, we did yep now the jaguars and, and i already mentioned that christian kirk gets a good outlook uh they are playing the cowboys zay jones an average stat line here of 7.6 targets 5.2 receptions 58 yards 20 percent of his matches found the end zone definitely a limited ceiling but for a player that might be able to sneak into your flex spot that's a pretty nice outlook nico collins uh, finishing within the top 30 as well. And then Marquise Goodwin, kind of an interesting name for those of you that watched uh, Seattle over the weekend. You might be expecting this as he had become more involved uh, than I had seen. Uh, GLSP giving him 5.3 targets, 3.6 receptions, 55 yards, and 60% of his matches found the end zone against opponents like San Francisco. This might be an overly optimistic GLSP, but I think he's worth calling out here as a player that if you're looking for somebody that should be 
widely available in shallow leagues or that has been riding your bench for a while and you need to fill in, he might be a player to turn toward. Yeah, I like out, out of that bunch, uh, kind of that tier of players that you're mentioning, I like the highlight on Zay Jones. Um, you know, in addition to his GLSP view, you know, when we go into the NFL statics for, we can see the recent trends of wide receiver position against Dallas. And, you know, over the past five weeks, Dallas is allowing the second most fantasy points over expectation to opposing wide receivers. Now, you know, for those of you that, that may remember all the way back in week 10, yes, Christian Watson scored three touchdowns against Dallas in that game, but they've also allowed four more receiving uh, touchdowns to opposing wide receivers in the subsequent uh, or in the, in the four weeks that have followed. And, you know, they're, they're actually over that, that five week stretch. They're the, they're allowing the 14th uh, most PPR points to the position and second most uh, uh, FPOE over that time frame, and, and, you know, at least one receiver has eclipsed 15 PPR against them in four out of the past five weeks. You know, Watson obviously had that 32 point game, but we saw Richie James for the giants put up 15.1 Alec Pierce for the Colts, 18.6 and Chris Moore of the Texans, 22.4, uh, just last week. So it's not even taking like superstar status. I mean, four out of, I mean, you know, Watson's not a superstar. He's been a nice story for, you know, a, a short period of the season, but you know, really the only big superstar receiver they faced over the stretch is Justin Jefferson, you know, who, you know, randomly only scored 6.3 in that weird dud <laughs> of a game where, you know, the Vikings got totally pants by the yep. Cowboys. So, you know, Hey, I'm just saying if Richie James, Alec Pierce and Chris Moore can do it against the Cowboys, there's certainly no reason that Zay Jones couldn't do it. And, you know, notably, none of those three wide receivers uh, are their team's wide receiver one. Um, so I think that is also interesting when thinking about how Zay Jones uh, relates with Christian Kirk. And, you know, maybe there's something to the complimentary uh, receiver being the one getting all of the fantasy production here over at least the last three weeks. So it's nice that you called out Chris Moore there as he actually comes in at wide receiver 31 in this week's GLSP with an average of 12.5 points. So both he and Nico Collins getting some love from the tool behind him. We have Donovan Peoples-Jones with 12.4 who faced a tough game last week from the passing game matchup Raiders perspective, but still came out really strong. And I, I don't know the exact time frame, but I'm pretty sure if you truncate things towards the back half of the season, Peoples Jones has been very solid. Uh, a couple other names yeah. here. Oh, go ahead, Curtis. Did you no, have a note on that? Just, just agreeing. And I mean, I mean, uh, yep. you know, I, I the the stat line still wasn't you know super impressive, but if you watched each of the last two Browns games, I mean, Watson still has strides to to make, and he's still you know he's still. Uh, you know, I think shedding some rust, but he did look notably better uh, in week two versus week one, or I guess start two versus start one. And I would, I would, you know, assume a player of his caliber is going to continue to um, look more and more uh, comfortable in that offense as, as time goes on, uh, you know, to the close of the season. I mean, I think people's Jones, you know, could be a very solid flex, you know, the remainder of the year. Certainly. So there aren't any, other guys that look to be far ahead of what we might expect them to do in an average week. Final note would be the GLSP does not like the new England wide receivers this week. Patriots will be facing the Raiders and we see every wide receiver here that you'd be interested in playing landing in a lower position than we generally see them. Uh, Even Jacoby Myers, who unfortunately has been dealing with an injury lands significantly far down. And he's a guy that we've seen uh, on the front page of the tool for a couple of weeks running now. And he actually comes in around wide receiver 37. So none of the Patriots look like they have good matchups. We will close off here with a couple of tight ends that I think are worth highlighting. Uh, Dalton Schultz comes in as the tight end two this week with an average of 13.1, perhaps more exciting for some of you out there is Dawson Knox on the heels of a good performance last week. Dave loves him some Dawson Knox. I do. I do. (laughs) 10.7. I I also think there's some teams out there. Like I have a couple of teams where I have two tight ends, both around that Dawson Knox level. 
So seeing a projection like this is exciting to me because it gives me something I can use to help make that decision of who I'm going to go with. In fact, Everybody let's even good confirmation bias, Dave. Yes. Everybody loves it. Let's take a quick look here at the average stat line for Dawson Knox. You have the bills in what's going to be um, an, an interesting game for them this week coming off of a divisional matchup with the Jets. Now they are facing the Dolphins. Dawson Knox, 5.7 targets, 4.2 receptions, 42 yards, 40% of his matches found the end zone. A couple other names here. Austin Hooper, who gave a great effort for us, Curtis, last week, comes in as the tight end five this week, followed by Evan Ingram, who we highlighted in yesterday's episode. And Cade Auden, again, draws a favorable uh, GLSP. Let's just zoom in here on what Auden has done as of late to give a little perspective to those of you that might not have been following Kate Auden. He has four tight end one performances this year. All four of them coming from week five forward has been a tight end one 33% of the time, a tight end two 17% of the time and is actually the tight end 23 in terms of PPR Per game. So he's definitely a player that could get into some lineups this week. Uh, we also have Hunter Henry scoring higher than he has uh, many times, and also Tyler Conklin coming in on the borderline of being a tight end one. So a couple of options there. Anything else stand out to you, Curtis, as you look through the list? No, I think you hit all of them. All right. So on that note, I believe we can close things down here. We will be back on Friday morning to break down these passing game matchups for the weekend. Curtis, give me a closing thought here. I haven't put you on the spot in a while, but I feel like tonight we need it. Sure, man. I'll go back to, uh, I'll go back to coach Leach to uh, close the program here. I think this is a great way to approach your life, man. Uh, This is just great. So uh, in his book, he says, I don't want to look back on my life and regret never having tried coaching. So I went for it. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.